welcome to The Dream, The Date, and The Broken Bra. I am your host, Stephanie Brownyard. I have an insatiable desire for adventure and knowledge, and with this, I have been on a quest to discover what the purpose of life is and what it all means. In this podcast, we will embark on a journey, the journey of life. With my guest, we will share in stories and celebrate all that life has to offer from the challenging times to the victories of one's dreams, love, and life experiences. Through authentic conversation and thought-provoking dialogue, it is my hope you will unravel and uncover the magic that makes your life so extraordinary. We all come from different walks of life with different beliefs, but we all have similar desires and needs. Our paths are all so different, but yet we are all so connected. Let's come together to hear each other and to learn from one another and see the beauty in every experience, no matter how difficult or challenging it may be. In the process, we can all heal a little, have some laughs, and perhaps shed a few tears with a whole lot of inspiration. Join me on this exploration to uncover your magic. Are you ready? Well, hello there. How are you? Welcome back. We made it to episode six, and I'm really excited to be sharing my guest, Robert Radinati, with you today and our conversation. I met Robert in my podcast class, and I knew right off the bat there was just something special about him. He was very energetic and He was traveling all over the world every week when we would meet for our podcast class. And the more I got to know him, I discovered that he was a certified coach or he was going through the process to be a certified coach for Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. And he was very hypnotic, I could say, or he was very like contagious because he was just always so happy, energetic. And I was like, I want some of that. And so I asked him right off the bat if he would be a guest on my show because I, too, am very intrigued and interested in Dr. Joe Dispenda's work. I've been learning his work for the past several years, and I just I thought it was cool that he was a coach and wanted to learn more about him and his work. So today's conversation, I felt, was a very powerful conversation with Robert he too, he's a the host of his podcast called Ratitude. And you'll hear about his life venture um, from going from a chemical engineer for Exxon to being a division one track coach for Pepperdine University. And then now he currently works as a hypnotherapist. He travels the world, just has lots of knowledge and insight and he in our conversation, we learn a lot about the brain. And we, he, we talk about our patterns and our habits and he gives us some really good tools to snap out of our patterns and habits to create, to create productive new thought patterns and habits. And as he says, it's simple, but not always easy, especially like those habits that are nagging. We know they're not good, but yet we still do them. And so he does give us some tools to literally snap out of it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did and enjoy. Hi, Robert. Good morning. 
Hi, good morning to you. Great morning, actually. I know. I, you just got back from a run. I did on Zuma Beach. I go there every day when I'm in town, and I just love to start the day that way. Lucky you. That's Malibu is one of the most beautiful places, like I feel like. I don't know. You've been probably a lot more places than I have been in the world, but how would you, how does that? It's why I live here. Well, I guess the reason I lived here is I went to work for uh, Pepperdine University coaching there and I'm gone from there now, but I love Malibu, but I'm at a point where I'm looking all over the world and trying to decide where I want to live. Much of my life, I thought that I wanted to live in three or four places in the world and for two or three months at a time and just kind of move around. So that's what I'm doing right now is looking around where I want to live, well, including that's... where you live is a pretty amazing uh, place too. <laughs> it is. I love being down here. For me, I always, I'm from the East Coast originally, and I moved out here probably like 20 years ago to be by the ocean, to surf. And I gave up skis for a surfboard and I just, it's so hard because we think about, because uh, for me, my dream like like yours would to be to go live somewhere new, like every three months or something like that, because I love culture and meeting new people and seeing how other people live. And, but then I think about the weather here and <laughs> the ocean, I'm like, I get very attached. <laughs> well, you know, a lot of people, especially from the East Coast, I'll talk about the four seasons and they love the seasons changing. <laughs> I'm not that. I'm like the anti-four <laughs> I want one season, 70 to 80 degrees every day, blue skies, sunshine, don't want drought. Yeah. That's exactly. one of the reasons I wanted to live in uh, three or four places, but yeah. it's only at the right time of the year when it's perfect weather, not humid either, no rain, just sunshine. And uh, that's, that's how fun. I am. I, but I feel like our weather is changing here as well. Well, it know? is. It's been foggy this whole week, which mm-hmm. I don't like, but. Um, well, I just mean overall, like through like the years, like oh, I, yeah. like the wet, like the winter, I feel like is a lot chillier and the summers are a lot hotter where it's like more dramatic than the 75 and sunny. (laughs) Well, that's what I'm chasing right now. Yeah. Awesome. I know I love Malibu. I, I spend quite a bit of time up there and I love the different polarities of like people. It's so dramatic and clashy and it's got every type of lifestyle and type of culture and people. It's such like a hot spot, especially in Malibu. I mean, I love Malibu. I mean, I think all of LA is like that, but you just, I really see it in Malibu, like all the different pockets there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't call us a diverse community. No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I feel like, cause you have like the, you know, the stars and the upper yeah. class. And then like, I remember we were driving home and we saw like a homeless person's tent literally like planted underneath a bridge there and like out looking the ocean. We're like, they have like the best, <laughs> the best view. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and funny. I, I just stopped at the grocery store on the way back from the run and I, I noticed a sign that I've never noticed before, but it was a warning to paparazzi you know, that they don't want paparazzi around here. And I thought about that and and I took a picture of it and I go, only in Malibu would they have warning signs about paparazzi. Yeah, you don't see that every day. (laughs) Robert and I met in a podcast class that, you know, we just recently both launched our podcast. And for me, what really drew me to you was one, your vivacious 
like spirit. You just feel it really have like a zest for life and really, it was really contagious. And then the more our classes went on, I got to know you and I saw that you to have a history of personal development and that you're a coach with Joe Dispenza. And I, I have been following Joe Dispenza's work for a few years now. So that was really attractive. And then Pepperdine, I have, I actually looked at transferring. I went to college back on the East coast and then I actually was going to looking to transfer to Pepperdine. And then when I went to it, I was like, I can't go to school here. I'll never go to school. (laughs) So (laughs) that didn't happen. But then I was like, oh my gosh, how cool. And then just, you're a certified hypnotherapist as well. Yep. I'm a hypnotherapist. Is that what you do in your daily life now? Um, It's one of the things I do right now. Okay. I would love for you to share about your like life story. I listened to your first podcast and it was really fascinating. So I, I know in my podcast is about, the life journey and people who live extraordinary lives. And with hearing your podcast, you've kind of lived with an intention, gratitude, which is what your podcast is named after. And I just thought that was really cool and how you've, I feel like you've drawn these life experiences, having that whole intention. So would you love to, would you like to speak to that? Oh, sure. You know, I think because it started a long time ago, I my first career was as a chemical engineer working for Exxon. And, you know, a lot of people have feelings about the big, bad oil companies. And, mm-hmm. and quite truthfully, I well, and I'm biased, but I don't think it's very accurate. I think the best people I've ever met work for Exxon. Mm-hmm. They only hire really high class, high quality people. And quite truthfully, we care. And, and all the people there do care much about the environment, always looking for ways to uh, you know, produce energy in a way that is acceptable in a world that we want to live in too. But one of the huge things about Exxon is they really believed in the personal development of people. Right. And every year, you know, literally everyone got to go to, uh, you know, one, two plus weeks of training around personal development. And the very first one I went to was called Investment in Excellence. And it was taught by a guy named Lou Tice out of Seattle, who I believe um, actually was very instrumental in Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks um, growth as an organization and as a football team. But he taught an interesting process around affirmations and really about growth. And it was just fascinating to me. I'd been kind of dabbling and reading a few of the sort of the masters in personal development, kind of figure out what I want to do when I was a a young kid, you know, 20s, trying to figure out life. And when I came across this investment in excellence, it really set me on a a different path, a, a path of personal development. And I remember in that class, we I set uh, 57 goals and the goals were written in a unique way in that he taught a three-part affirmation process. You know, oftentimes people teach affirmations like, I am loving, I am rich, I am powerful, whatever, mm-hmm. and they simply don't work. Although, you know, in the Tony Robbins world, you take those things and he calls them incantations and yell and scream them into your body. And that's one way to get it into you too. <laughs> but I really liked the affirmation process. It was three parts. And the first part was, because I've done something, 
I have caused this result and this makes me feel. And I think that's really powerful. And it ties into all the teachings I'm doing now with Dr. Joe is you have to have not just the thought, but you have to have the feeling associated Mm -hmm. with it. And the feeling is what really drives it. And I made 57 of those goals, including an outlandish goal to become a head coach of a division one <laughs> university in track and field cross country when I was a 25 year old kid working for Exxon. I had no business making that goal and it happened. And, wow. and all the 57 were pretty wild. And just a few years ago, I finally accomplished my 57th one, which was to write a book. And I'm just finishing up my second book and I've got like three or four on the way. But that set the stage for a life of personal development. Then I went to a bunch of things within Exxon then got involved with Tony Robbins world and Joe Dispenza world. And it's just been a brilliant, beautiful path. So do you think, because you had said back when that um, seminar that you went with Exxon, something shifted for you. Do you think that was kind of the the shift in you of taking this new path? And then actually, because you're not even in that world anymore, right? Well, I think that people have multiple shifts mm-hmm. along the way. And it's sort of like if you think about an exponential curve, you hit a point and then it goes exponential. Then you hit another point, then it goes more exponential. Right. And I think that you continue to do that. Like we were talking about before um, you started the uh, the recording, you know, I had another shift two and a half years ago that was quite remarkable. And it's taken me on another course that, that I hadn't reached. And I right. assume that someplace in the future, I'm going to hit another one that's going to set me off even more. So I think that's what your audience and the people that you speak to can be looking forward to is when, where's that shift going to be? What's it going to take to shift? Because in order to cause that shift, you have to change. One of the things that we teach in, in Dr. Joe's program called Change Your Mind, Create New Results, it's based on the book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. And the fundamental basis for it is that your personality creates your personal reality, which is your Mm -hmm. life. And that your personality is made up of how you think, how you act, and how you feel. And that most people want to change their personal reality or their life is staying the same personality and it doesn't work. You can't do it. You can get kind of lucky maybe and something will shift in your environment, but it doesn't work. You literally have to change yourself. And it's very difficult to change because by the time you're in your mid-30s, 95% of all your thoughts, behaviors, and feelings are programmed into your body. And you've got 5% of your mind trying to overcome that 95% to cause a change. And that's why most people don't change. Right. So, I mean, and in that too, the first thing that came to my head is trying to change something, staying the same is the definition of of insanity. (laughs) Yeah, that's doing the same thing over (laughs) and over again. I'm expecting a different result is the definition of insanity, yes. (laughs) So So that's interesting. So 95% of our patterns and habits and our brain function is developed by the time we're 30. I'm actually shocked that it's that late in the game. I thought it would be actually a lot sooner. Well, that's 95%. But yes, you get most of it actually by puberty. 
a good portion of it by puberty. So what we teach in hypnotherapy is that when you're first born, literally every, all, all you know is fight or flight. Yeah. And as you're growing up till about eight years old, literally every experience you have, everything that you think, they are captured in your subconscious as either a positive experience or a negative experience. And then about eight years old or so, plus or minus a little bit, you develop mm. what's called the analytical mind or the critical mind, which now starts to decide whether something you see or hear or do mm. is true. And then it can decide whether to store that in subconscious or not. Up till then, It's stored there. And then between about eight years old and 12, 13, about puberty or so, you've kind of fully developed your conscious mind and your subconscious mind and your analytical mind. And so the the best example I have is um, the concept of Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Most kids in the United States grew up believing there's a Santa Claus and we didn't question it. Then about eight years old, something happened. Maybe a, a kid in the neighborhood said, hey, there's no real Santa Claus or something happened. Maybe your parent told you and you go, huh, let me think about it. Now that I have this new analytical critical mind and go, could a fat man with this white beard live in North Slope, North Pole, mm-hmm. and have a bunch of elves make these presents, and then he flies around, you know, Christmas Eve and lands on a sleigh on everyone's roof in the whole world, and climbs down a chimney, brings me presents, eats the cookies and milk, and then goes <laughs> away and does that for everyone in the world. And you go, I no longer believe that. Right. That's your analytical mind. But until then, you believed it. Right. After that, you don't. And it's, it's not a conscious process. It's an unconscious process. But we have literally thousands of positive experiences and thousands of negative experiences. And they impact the way that you and I show up in life. Sorry. So what happens when you have the negative and positive, the feel good and the not, the not feel good? Because I've had this for me. Like I was always a happy, positive person, but it was actually very scary for me to not be happy. Um, if that makes sense, it was like, you get in trouble, like you, what's wrong. It wasn't, didn't feel safe for me to show my anger or to be mad. So, but I never really felt good. And as I'm shifting these thoughts and I just, and they say, go with the feel good emotions, but nothing really feels safe or feels good in the body. Can you speak to, does that Makes sense. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because that was programmed into you when you're growing up. We all have things programmed into us. I'll share a quick example. My family's from Hungary. My parents came out during the Hungarian Revolution. Mm-hmm. And growing up, my sister and I, we always wanted to have a dog. And mm-hmm. my dad didn't like dogs. He didn't want dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, we never could have a dog because he didn't like them. But he couldn't explain it. And it wasn't until years later, we were back in Budapest, Uh, We were at a family reunion and his sister, my aunt, was hosting and there was dogs running all over the place. And I said, hey, what's the deal? You guys have dogs. We weren't allowed to have dogs. And she goes, well, I know why. And everyone turns to her and we go, why? And she goes, when your dad was five years old, he was bitten by a dog. Right. He didn't even remember it. And that's the Uh, way it works in our subconscious. So just the way you described your fear of not being happy, it something happened in your childhood. And usually it's five years old, plus or minus, someone said something. And this is almost true for every single person, including someone like Tony Robbins. Mm -hmm. Someone said something and your subconscious interpreted it as 
some version of I'm not good enough and or I'm not good enough and therefore I won't be loved. Right. And truthfully, in my hypnotherapy work, almost every issue, presenting issue that people bring, and there's 146 different issues we work at in hypnotherapy, it almost always boils down to that, going back and saying that we've got to replace that. We've got to program, reprogram, you help you reprogram your mind so that you know that you are what I call flossom, that you are awesome with all the flaws <laughs> that you have because we are human. We have flaws. We make mistakes. We're going to continue to do that, but we tend to beat ourselves up for that. Right. And they need to be, we've got to train ourselves. We got to, to go from thinking to doing to being where we look at every situation as a learning opportunity, not as we did something wrong. And we right. think we think less of ourselves be, because of that. That's be called unhealthy shame. And then some people go beyond that and do something wrong, correct it and say, vow never to do it again. Um, learn from it, and then think left of themselves. And some people go to that next step, which is, and I deserve to be punished, which is guilt. And we don't do this consciously. It's in our subconscious. And you know, we think 60 to 70,000 thoughts per day. 90% of those are the same thoughts we had yesterday. Mm-hmm. And 70% of all thoughts are negative. So we keep saying the same things over and over again. What was that percentage of negative? 70% 70%. of all thoughts are negative. They don't serve us. And we keep saying them over and over during lifetime. That's why when you're in your 30s, you have become this unconscious set of behaviors and patterns and actions, this programming in your body. That's why to change, you actually have to become greater than your body, which is your program body, greater than your environment and greater than time. I love that. Yay. <laughs> Hallelujah. So the recognition <laughs> of that is really important. Yeah. Recognition of that's that's the first step. Becoming conscious of your unconscious thoughts because we tend to just go through life and we're just unconscious. When we start to wake up and say, "Why am I thinking that?" or just the fact that I am thinking that takes you out of the program and is the first step to actually making changes. So if you see a pattern that you don't like, why do I keep dating the same guys? Or yeah. why, why do I keep eating this chocolate at this time at night? Or I'm like eating the whole pint of ice cream and I can't stop it. I don't want it. Like what? So those are patterns. Yes. And They're then programmed into your body, into every cell in your body. It's no wonder we have a hard time changing that. So what are your key? I know it's probably like you say, it's simple, but yet difficult. What are some, what are some? Simple, but not easy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, there's a lot of different processes to change. (laughs) Hypnotherapy, I think is the most magical one Mm -hmm. because literally what we do in hypnosis only means putting your mind, putting your brain waves in a state that you're most open to suggestions. Mm. And then we suggest in in a, in a, a certified hypnotherapist, and you know, we have a code of ethics. We listen to the client. We listen to you and say, what do you want? And you tell us. And then we put you into hypnosis. And then we suggest 
what you want into your subconscious to help you reprogram it. Now, you can do this for yourself with self-hypnosis. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of you can you can Google self-hypnosis and there's probably a lot of things out there, YouTube videos, but then you have to do it over and over again. So your mind is made up of three brains, the neocortex, which is your thinking brain, mm-hmm. your limbic brain, which is your doing brain and your cerebellum, which is your being brain. And you've got to move from thinking to doing to being so you don't have to think about you know, not having that chocolate or not uh, having that boyfriend that doesn't treat you the way you deserve to be treated. But you have to start thinking about it. And after you think about it, it's not good enough to just think about it once or a few times. You have to do it. Mm -hmm. So then you have to, taking the ice cream example, if that's what you want to do, you have to then have the discipline to not have it for, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days. You know, for each person, it's a little bit differently until it becomes a habit. And a habit then drops into the being when you are just being the person that no longer has to go to a pint of ice cream anytime something happens in your environment. Because you have to be become greater than in that environment. And, you know, the Tony Robbins world, his process is to yell it and scream it. So you over and over, you know, I, I'm healthy, I'm loving. And it's a great process if you have the discipline to do that over and over again. Right. You know, in, in, I've, I've gone through this program called the Hoffman process, which I think is incredibly powerful. What's it called? And, the Hoffman process is an eight-day experiential event up in White Sulphur Springs, Napa Valley, California. It's really, really amazing. Uh-huh. And that was another different tool that I've done. And, and now I'm involved with hypnotherapy. And I think that that's just amazing. I just help people get to that hypnotic state, which is dropping from the beta brainwaves, which mm-hmm. is normally during the day. So you and I are talking, we're in the beta brainwaves. And there's mm-hmm. high beta, there's mid-level beta, and there's low-level beta. But during our waking hours, we're normally in that then we can start to slip into alpha. So the alpha brainwave state is when we start to think of the internal environment more important than the external environment Mm -hmm. because we're so focused on the external that we don't know about the internal until we're starting to go to sleep. And then through hypnosis, we drop into the theta brainwave frequency and that's where you're open to suggestions, suggestions to serve you. And then when you go to sleep, you actually go to delta. Right. So you, everyone goes through that hypnotic, that theta brainwave state t- at least twice a day when you're first waking up and right before you go to sleep. But you also go through that when you're sitting there watching a, a movie or TV or something like that. That's why advertising works is that they are subtly, you know, you're in a hypnotic state. Uh. And then someone comes on, Michael J. Fox is holding a, uh, a Pepsi can. And before you know it, you're going to the store and buying Pepsi. Right. That's the way marketing <laughs> advertising works. You don't even know it. So that's interesting too, because like, like you're talking about hypnotherapy, but is meditation kind of something similar that can get you into that state? Exactly. So meditation will drop you from the beta brainwave frequency mm-hmm. down to at least alpha. And that's where your internal environment becomes more. So in meditation, we could also call that mental rehearsal. And there's lots of different ways to meditate. Mm -hmm. Um, In the Dr. Joe world, we do guided meditations. Mm -hmm. And so that becomes very, very powerful. But you're in that alpha state where now you are asking your um, analytical or critical mind to take a break. Yeah. Take a break. Okay. 
just take a break. We value that analytical mind. It's important for us. But when we're dropping into a state where we want to now become creative, because in that beta state, we're not less creative than when we start dropping into that internal world. And we can start to understand and think about our old self and what do we want to be in the future. And we can now become greater than our environment, greater than our body and greater than time by the absence of the environment, the absence of the body, absence of time in meditation. And thinking about that, like, and I know in reading his books, he always meditates. He wakes up at like three, four o'clock in the morning because yep. it, to start meditating. Is that because you're in that theta? You're, you're closer that- to it. It has to do, I believe, with your hormones. I, I'm, I'm oh, not. Okay. Yeah. The oh, shoot, I'm kind of, I'm blanking now. But, you know, there's a couple of hormones, serotonin and melatonin. Oh. Those levels, those are the, the optimum places at like around four o'clock in the morning or okay. so. Yeah. And then so in fact, in the week long sessions, the last two days, you, you start at 4 a.m. and you go into a five hour meditation. Oh my God. And I had never meditated before I went to this, <laughs> uh, one of his first events. I go, wow, like, right, I'm going to do five hours. I can't do five minutes. Yeah. Um, how was that? Well, by the end of that week, he teaches you scientifically because that's kind of me, right. my, my background. Right. And it made sense to me. He teaches quantum physics of the brain. And I have been trying to learn quantum physics for a long time just on my own. And it doesn't make sense to me. I, I actually read his book and go, ha, someone explained it that I could understand it. It uh, makes sense to me now. And I went into that five-hour meditation and it felt like five minutes. It really, oh, that's really cool. did. It was easy to wake up early to go to it. And now I look forward to those five-hour meditations. Do you do that on your own now? I do do it on my own. I'm not as regular as I'd like to be mm-hmm. I'm with those long, long ones. But he teaches something called the breath. And the, the breath is a very unique process that he uses where he brings the breath up through your energy centers, hitting your pineal gland Uh and vibrating the crystals there. And then these hormones go out and create this magnetic field around you. It's just amazing what happens. And, uh, you know, we are now healing people all over the world using this technique. Yeah. I know. uh, I couldn't imagine being in a room because what is it like a you said a thousand to fifteen hundred people in a room meditating in his week long sessions. Yeah, yeah, for five hours that must be pretty dynamic. And you don't that. notice anyone, but I yeah. guess the energy is all there. Yeah. Because they've measured it. So one of the thing about Dr. Joe is he's big into science also, mm-hmm. and everything is a, a measurement. There's scientific studies. We're producing um, papers now. We're up to thirty eight percent success rate with curing people of of things such as cancer and leukemia. And once we hit fifty percent, um, there's four children's hospitals in Los Angeles that are going to allow us to start to come in and uh, work with the kids there. So that's something that we're pushing for. And and now we're doing them remotely. And it's amazing because it used to be just in person, nine people would uh, surround someone that need to be healed. And now we do it uh, remotely. And we're up to 33% success rate healing people remotely. That's awesome. So they're actually, you're taking a group of people and healing somebody else. Yes. So there's plenty of people. So people think that would be like woo-woo or. 
you but know, you're seeing it, it right because you see the before and then the after I you guess. see it and you go i mean <laughs> if you go to the site you can see the <laughs> testimonials i know a few of the people now that have stood up and said yeah I had cancer yeah i was going to die the doctors gave up on me and so i just started doing dr joe's work which a key part of it is the breath and i went back yeah. to the doctor the, the cancer is completely gone. It's still really, really hard for me to believe as a chemical engineer. Yeah. But I'm seeing it over and over again. One of my good friends, she stood up in Dubai. I didn't even know she had cancer. And she said, I was, the doctors told me I'm going to die. And my dad convinced me to come see Dr. Joe. And now six months later, you know, went back to the doctor and they, they can't believe it. They don't understand it, but the cancer is completely gone. That's incredible. I would just got back from Turkey and a guy got up on stage. Um, his name was Ravi. And so Dr. Joe called him Ravioli. And I talked to him <laughs> afterwards and he said kind of same story. Um, they tried chemotherapy and radiation, everything. He has some kind of cancer in the nose. And he said he, he ran across Dr. Joe just on a YouTube and he started, he started to learn the breath. He did it for three days and then he was just sitting there and the cancer fell out of his nose <gasps> onto the table. And it was like grossest thing ever. Oh my gosh. And he went back to the doctors and the doctors could not believe that they said the cancer is gone. And that that's all through the breath, through the bath. Well, there's a, there's more to it, but that's kind of a key part of it is this, this breath technique where you push, you push into that pineal gland and you hold it, hold it, hold it. It's just, I also feel like hard to believe unless you have the results, the data. And that's what he's brilliant at doing is he is doing the research. And now there's major universities in the United States that are studying it and publishing papers. And it's, it's, I think it's the frontier. It's the next frontier. I mean, I've always been on the thought that your body given the right environment can heal itself. And, and like even our conversation earlier, if it's like these if you think like your brain patterns and patterns and habits are what causes disease. And then if you're going through the breathing and then they're probably going through the seminars true, right? So they're shifting their brain patterns. And like you said, if they're subconscious and doing this, I, I mean, it's yeah. pretty miraculous, but that's how powerful the body is. Exactly. So probably most people can understand the concept that your thoughts can cause disease, right? Yeah. So if you have negative thoughts, you're down on yourself that you can cause your body to break down. Because mm-hmm. essentially what you're doing is you're turning on a branch of your autonomic nervous system called mm-hmm. the sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight. And it causes energy to be pulled to addressing those stresses in your life. And then you have less stress, less energy available for growth and repair and right. rehabilitation. So if your thoughts can cause disease, doesn't it make sense then that your thoughts could create health? Right. Right. You know, yes or no. And now you have the proof. (laughs) Well, there was a a, a really powerful little presentation I heard um, at, at multiple events now this year. And what they did is they took some blood samples of, I think it was about a hundred people before and after his seven day event. Uh huh. And what they did was they injected a COVID-like virus Uh into the before and after blood. It had to be COVID-like because 
you can't get COVID now in most labs because it's illegal. So it's a COVID-like <laughs> thing. But they watch, we watched the video of this virus attacking the red blood cells before the event. And it goes in and it like eats up all the red blood cells. It turns this murky, yellowish, brownish color. And you go, ooh. And then you watch it into the blood of the post seven day, the meditations, the breath, uh, all uh-huh. that. And literally nothing happens. Huh? And they have submitted that research now to the National Institute of Health who's very interested in this because there's a thousand people at these events, mostly not wearing masks, for seven days, for full days, starting at sometimes four o'clock in the morning till into the nighttime. And we're hugging and dancing and everything. Probably not supposed to say all this, but literally <laughs> no one's getting COVID. Right. Well, that you're aware of, but. <laughs> well, you'd probably be aware yeah. of it. If yeah, you, if yeah that's true. It's going on. That's true. Because yeah. they shut them down. Yep. So the mind is just so. Yeah powerful. And it's it, it kind of a point that I want to make sure that people understand is not about just positive thinking. Positive yeah. thinking is great, but it doesn't work by itself. You have to mirror that with the positive feeling. How do you get that? You have to visualize, you have to imagine the positive feeling with it. So going back to remember when I talked about that affirmation from investment excellence. So because I put myself out there, I created a lifestyle that allows me to travel all over the world. Mm -hmm. And that makes me feel like the king of the world or something Mm -hmm. like that. That's not a very good example. (laughs) But good. Because I did something, I created something and I feel this. You've got to be able to feel it. So even when I wanted to become a college track coach, when I was a a young engineer at Exxon, I could feel myself. I would visualize myself coaching young athletes and how it would feel to have my athletes um, win a championship, break a school record, break a become an Olympian, whatever it was. And that feeling is what drives it. Right. And that's what needs to be paired with the goals that we set. So if someone sets a goal that I want to get a great job or make a certain amount of money or have a certain relationship or have a certain body, you've got to visualize it and you've got to feel what it would feel like being that. And you do that over and over again and you program yourself to do that. Do you have any tips on like, I know for me back in the day, I would have a hard time connecting to that feeling because it hasn't happened yet. And then in my head, I'd be like, yeah, right. That's not going to happen. Do you have any tips to like connect to that feeling if something hasn't happened yet? Borrow from someone else or from a movie um, or become more creative. And I mean, you could borrow a feeling, let's say the feeling of. So that works too. Pardon me? That works too, borrowing it. Borrow it. It doesn't have so, to be. No. Yeah. <laughs> if, if, the, if, if, for example, um, what's a goal that you have? Um, well, I mean, to have my podcast be, to be successful, okay, so you, you know, get already, more. Okay. So you want it to be successful. Well, yeah. Right? And be like, have more people listening and have more people listening. Yeah. Okay. So could you imagine Oprah? She has a podcast. 
Could you imagine how she feels to have a podcast that's probably listened by millions and millions of people? Could you just imagine her doing that? Yeah. Okay. So then you just gotcha. feel that feeling and you pull it into you and say, and I can do that too. I love that. That's a great you one. Borrow feelings right. from other people. Right. Or for movies. And movies are a great place to borrow feelings right. from. Because you actually feel it. You know, that's the power of going to a movie. Go to uplifting movies and you feel good afterwards. <laughs> that's right. why we go to those kind of movies because we want to feel it. And then just keep that feeling. And if you play it over and over again, you can then program into your mind. Because remember what we were talking about with hypnosis. You have all these positive experiences, negative experiences, and hypnosis lets you go beyond the analytical mind. It helps you strengthen one of those positive experiences or weaken, lessen, or eliminate a, ne a negative experience or create a whole new experience because the mind doesn't know whether it's real or imagined. Right. So before you started this podcast, you had this visualization, imagination, you go, I'm going to become this great podcaster. I'm going to have <laughs> millions of followers. I'm going to become famous or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. But you actually had those thoughts and that mm -hmm. caused you to sign up for the podcast accelerator program. You invested money into it. You did your assignments every week. You were there. You were brilliant. You had that smile that you got on and you felt it. You started to program that into your body. So you're already doing this unconsciously. Right. Learning it can help you now do that consciously. And then you could look at some other thing that you want to accomplish and say, huh, I can do this process over and over again. And you start to develop right. this pattern of life and that causes a lifetime of how do I continue to grow? How do I continue to have great feelings? How do I overcome 95% of my unconscious mind that's programmed into me just using my 5%? And I do it through my meditations, through my feelings, my imagination. I create more um, creativity and imagination and boldness and courageousness. And I surround myself with people that are thinking this way. And that's, I mean, one of the things you're doing with podcasts, you're right. trying to get people involved with you that will then grow and have beautiful lives because that's what we really want to do. Right. Right. I love that. I love seeing, I love that. Thank you. Does eventually over time, does the 95 to 5% ratio kind of decrease, increase, or is it always going to be 95, 5%? I think it probably always is. But what about if part of that 95% was things that really serve you? And right? Because right? it's not so all you negative. Can, you can shift the, the feel good and not feel good. Sure. To have a higher. The 95% programmed, I didn't say they were good or bad. I just said they're programmed into you. Right, but I thought it was feel good, not feel good, or like the feel good emotions. No, no, no. So okay. that part was in your daily thinking, uh huh. Seventy percent of your oh, okay. thoughts right. are negative. Okay. I if if your question is around that, I think that you can shift that, but you have to train yourself and you have to develop and understand and use some of the tools that we teach. There's a Bob Newhart. YouTube video called Stop It. And it's the funniest video ever. 
just everyone should watch. Can this. you send me the link and I'll put it in the show for notes? Sure. Okay, for cool. sure. Yeah, Bob Newhart, he was a comedian back in my day. You might not know, but he's a therapist in this little skit with a woman that comes in about her problem. And her problem is that she's afraid of being buried in a box. And he gives her therapy advice and it's just hilarious. But essentially it is just stop it. So one of the tools that if you could really program into you to do that would be so powerful was become conscious of your thoughts. Mm -hmm. And anytime you say something that doesn't serve you, you program your mind to say, stop it. Do you do the snap too? I do that as a hypnotherapist. Okay. You don't have to do that. You just, you just say, stop it. Uh-huh. And you replace it with something that serves you. So like if you say, well, I'm too young to be a great podcaster. Uh-huh. Ah, that's like, why did I say that? Right. But you, you probably have said that a few times maybe, or some other people starting something like that. Say, mm-hmm. I'm too young. I'm too, whatever, skinny, too fat, too not smart, too, you know, the wrong color, the right color, you know, all these kind of things that we say subconsciously. So we're not aware of them. Becoming mm-hmm. aware of them is that first step. And then when we start to hear ourselves saying those things, we it's say, stop, stop it. it. And a good way to start to practice that is you notice it in other people. So when you do it, when are you, you snap, is it because when you're talking to your clients, are they talking and you're like, stop, because you just hear them kind of on autopilot? Of yeah, I, I, I've got, come really good uh-huh. at hearing people and I just I stop them because, you know, one of the principles of neuroscience is that nerve cells that fire together, wire together. Mm-hmm. So each and every time you're saying those 70% of the time, a negative thought to yourself and you're believing it, mm-hmm. you know, I'm no good. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve this. I deserve to be punished. Whatever it is, your flavor, you're wiring this into your brain. Right. Stop it causes you to prune those connections, prune those. This is a hardware issue. A hardware issue. That's what people need to understand. Their brains are like a computer. It's a hardware issue. And you have to prune those connections, those neurosynapses, so that you no longer remember that. You no longer remember that I don't deserve this, that I'm not worthy, that I'm not loving, that I'm not whatever. You Mm -hmm. prune those and then you start to fire and wire then the things that serve you. I am worthy. I am deserving. I am fit. I am wealthy. I am deserving a great relationship. I have a great career. And you feel that and you say that over and over. So you can move from thinking to doing to being. Right. But you do that by firing and wiring these nerve cells so that it moves from your neocortex, your limbic brain, which is your chemical or feelings brain also, mm-hmm. and then into that cerebellum, which is a being brain, which now you are it. You are worthy. You are deserving. You are whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And you do it without having to think about it any longer. I love that. Is that why you wear your love button? Um, the love button is I give out love buttons. Um, it's part of it. I didn't think through it. Mm-hmm. I um, and it, it came from a couple years ago. I was at a, a Tony Robbins event called Date with Destiny. Mm-hmm. It's the one in the movie. I'm not your guru. That's on Netflix. And by the way, I'm in that movie three times. <laughs> but 
in that, in Date with Destiny, you develop your purpose or mission in life. You develop your destiny. One of them is your purpose or mission in life. And mine used to be very long, corporate because it was very Exxon-y, and I used to teach that at Exxon um, also. And the trainers were always trying to get me to shorten it because you have to yell it and scream it to your partners, and I couldn't remember it. And then finally, a couple of years ago, I decided that my purpose in life is to love contagiously. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's why you, you, when you said you look at my social media, it always ends up living rad and loving contagiously. Yeah. And two weeks after that, I was um, back here in Malibu and a group of us got together to make some gift baskets for a battered women's shelter. And the lady that was hosting it had a bowl full of these love buttons. Uh-huh. And she said, just grab as many as you want. And I thought, hey, I'm loving contagiously. This must be why it showed up. So I grabbed Mm -hmm. a big handful, put it in my cargo pants and started handing them out to people. And there's a long story about so many synchronicities about, you know, how this has come up. But I've given out now 7,000. Last year at uh, Date with Destiny or the year before, before the pandemic, I had three people come up to me. One was from Singapore, one was from Australia, and one was from Norway. They shared with this similar story that they had been traveling to Florida for Date with Destiny. And at their local airport, they saw someone with a love button on their backpack and they asked them where they got it. And they said they got it from this hairy legged guy in California and they knew it was me. I always wear (laughs) shorts and I have hairy legs. And so it truly is loving contagiously worldwide. So it's kind of cool. That's crazy. I know over COVID, my husband was watching a video and it was a guy like, or was it over? I don't, maybe we found the video over COVID, but it Mm might've not necessarily been through that time. But yeah, he just goes around giving hugs to everybody. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The hugging thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, love I went to a, a program. Oh, gosh. What was it? It was in Ohio. I forget what it was, but they claim to have started that hugging thing. Mm-hmm. And one of the exercises is you're in teams and you have to make a sign saying free hugs and you go out into then downtown uh-huh. with these signs. Uh-huh. And you're not allowed to talk to people. You just. Um, do the sign and you see how many people you could actually right. hug. And it's a contest to see how many you can between oh, I them. Love that. And I guess the TV, the local television came out and filmed this thing. And then it became kind of a sensation. I think a lot of people do it now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've done that one too. I love that. Wow. Thank you. So there are so many gems here. I really appreciate this conversation. I love like the brain and the science behind it is really cool because I always get probably more into the woo woo part of it. So it's really cool, like kind of putting it to actual science and seeing how the brain and the mind actually work. That was Um, important to me coming mm -hmm. from my background from engineering. So you do hypnotherapy now, like you work with clients one-on-one or do you do I do. Yes, I do hypnotherapy now. I got into that because I wanted to hypnotize my athletes to run faster and it worked. <laughs> and then COVID hit and I started doing hypnotherapy over Zoom. It works just as well as in okay. person. And my claim to fame, one of my exciting things is I actually hypnotized a dog in Australia to stop barking. It was like the coolest oh, thing. Wow. And I didn't know that I could do it. I was working with a client there who actually had cancer. 
And I wasn't working the medical issues because that's not allowed with hypnotherapy, but I was working with some other things with her. Mm -hmm. And I think on our third or fourth session, she had her dog running around. And I said, you know, I can't hypnotize you with your dog running around. I said, you need to move him out of the room. She goes, yeah, but my husband's gone now and he has to be here. And I said, well, put him up on your your chest and we'll hypnotize and stop barking. She said, you can do that. (laughs) And I said, sure, not knowing. And so while she's running around, I'm Googling, how do you hypnotize a dog? Because I kind of, I I, kind of remember that you kind of could. Right. (laughs) And I found an article and it turned out it was written by one of the professors at the hypnotherapy school that I graduated from, Mm -hmm. which happens to be the same one that Dr. Joe Dispenza graduated from and and a lot of famous hypnotherapists, including Marissa Peer also. So I'm Googling that, reading the script while she's chasing the dog. By the time she has the dog on her, I have got the script and I just go right into it. The dog goes out. The woman goes out. The next day she posts on Facebook, she's sitting on the couch and her dog Princeton's next to her. And her commentary is this Saturday mornings are the worst morning of my entire week because Daniel, my husband, goes out for a bike ride, three hour bike ride and Princeton barks nonstop until he comes back. But last night, Robert Radnoti hypnotized Princeton to stop barking and you can see it's working because he's just sitting here. I'm like excited. And I go like, what a great testimony that was. It was just, it was so much fun. And, and you know, part of it was that I just believed that I could do it without right. really knowing. Right. But I trained myself to be that way through these processes. And that's what your folks can do through some change process, whether it's hypnotherapy, whether it's yelling and screaming, whether it's the Hoffman process, whether it's affirmations, whether it's self-hypnosis, whether it's just brute force discipline, but then you have to have it forever. Everyone can change when you become greater than your environment, greater than your body and greater than time. And you've made the choice to do it. I love that. Very awesome. Well, I love your work. Um, Where can people find you? I'm easy to find Mm -hmm. if you just know my name. Even if you don't (laughs) know my name, you can probably just Google Pepperdine Track Coach and they can find me there. Um, Even though I've left them now. But robertradnody.com, Radnody Hypnosis, or just Google my name, Robert Radnody. And someone told me a few years ago that there was 18 pages there. So I'm easy to find. Oh, wow. Look at it. I didn't. We have well, because I've interviewed, I was interviewed a lot during uh, my coaching days. And I so I'm that. easy to find. Yeah. Awesome. Or just come to Malibu. I'll be running on the beach in the Azuma Beach every morning. And you can just find me there. Well, that is purely living extraordinary. I love it. Thank you for all the work that you do with people and spreading love. I think that's phenomenal. And I will put your information also in the show notes so that people can get a hold of you as well. Right. It was a pleasure and honor being with you. And Likewise. you are going to be an amazing <laughs> podcaster and Aww. have the feelings of Oprah for the rest of your life. I love it. Maybe <laughs> I'll interview one. Oprah one day. <laughs> there you go. You can do that. You got to imagine yourself doing that and yeah. feel what it would feel like. Yep. Thank you for listening. My hope is that this conversation has inspired you with a new awareness and has uncovered some beauty and wisdom within you. If you have enjoyed what you heard today, please feel free to share it with a friend and please subscribe, rate, and review it on your favorite podcast player. 
If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for me, please feel free to reach me at stephanie.brownyard at gmail.com. Talk to you soon.